2: Hello my darlings, you join me as I walk back from school run, it's been a really, really rainy night, so I'm having to tuck in on the pavement because every time a car goes past I get threatened with a big splash from all the huge puddles, hasn't got me yet though, which is good because I don't want that, um, I... The passing pedestrians look a little bit insane because last night I recorded Graham Norton TV and have still got the makeup on from the show. So I've got a very beautiful blue eyeshadow (laughs) and false eyelashes. Um, It's not completely out of character for me to sleep in my makeup. However, the reason I ended up not being able to take it off was actually because... So the show w- was really fun, but I was a little bit nervous because Graham on such a big TV program. And it's the, first t- I th- yeah, it's the first time I've ever been on that show where I'm just a guest, not singing. So that's a bit scary. And the other people on the show was uh, Kadina Cox, who's an amazing gold medal winning Paralympic athlete. Uh, she won two golds in Tokyo this year as well as just winning Celebrity MasterChef um, oh oh blimey uh, Greg Davis he's a very funny chap um, and Dave Grohl who is obviously like one of the coolest people there is plus music with Jack Savaretti and Nile Rodgers um, He's obviously I don't use the word legend very often but I think with Nile Rodgers you probably are okay with that aren't you amazing man so anyway, I was a bit nervous. because It's like quite a, you know, big group of people to sit with. Uh, so after the show, Richard and I went for some drinks, which was nice. And then I just got home and we were watching Squid Games, which if you haven't watched it, it's really good. Anyway, and I was like, oh, I should probably go to bed soon. And then little Mickey, little Mickey Jones, decided to wake up. And he was up basically from like midnight to about half three. So it felt like absolute torture. Anyway, so that was my night, and that's why I slept in my makeup, really, because I sort of passed out with fatigue at some point around, like, 3.15, not having had the opportunity to take my face off. That's what you did to me, Mickey. You made me do a walk of shame in my blue eyeshadow. Anyway. uh, Yeah, because my book, I've got a book coming out next week, which I feel like I have talked to you about, but then, I don't know, maybe not that much. Anyway, it's um, it's coming out. Well, I say next week, when you hear this, it will be this week. Because uh, I'm talking to you now. It's, uh, it's Friday morning. And this is published on Monday. So, yeah. So, I'm very excited, but also really nervous about it coming out. But I feel like in, like, two weeks' time, it'll be, you know, old news, baby. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, there's something funny, because you write down your book, and you're really honest, and you write all this stuff, and you think about how you want to articulate things. And then people ask you questions about the book, and you're a bit like, I've sort of said what I wanted to say and how I wanted to say it in the book, so can we just not ask me any questions, please? (laughs) But anyway, it's coming out now, so that's what's happening. Anyway, um... My guest this week, you can tell I've had much sleep, can't you? My brain's a little bit foggy. Yes, so my guest this week, oh, she's lovely, Rachel Ammer. So Rachel Ammer is someone I've been following on Instagram for ages. She's a vegan chef. She's her food always looks beautiful and delicious. And she's also one of those people who's got that lovely sort of magnetic charisma about her when she's talking about her food and her lifestyle. You feel like, oh, that looks like health and fun and vitality she also has had a baby and the glimpses of him you see on instagram confirm he is incredibly sweet uh she lives with her mum, and so we spoke about the bond she has with her mum and having a lockdown baby and uh you know the the good bits about that and the bits that were a bit more challenging and of course we talk about food for a bit as well i thought she was completely delightful um and uh, yeah, it was a lovely chat and now I'm going to share it with you. See you on the other side. But how's everything going? You've got a new book coming out in, at the end of this month, haven't you?
3: Yes, so I have a new book coming out at the end of this month. Yeah. In less than four weeks, Um, my brand new book that I I wrote while I became a new mum, which I don't know who I thought I was. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I'll do it. (laughs) He's six weeks old. Yeah, let's go. Um, But I'm really, really excited about it. It's like the the two babies in my life. It was actually very emotional when I actually got given the book because I didn't realise how much of my emotions were wrapped in it because it was my whole new motherhood journey. So... um, I remember I just got it and I I kind of like just froze and was like I don't know what to do with it because suddenly I have to process all my motherhood in this book and I was like oh my god what's happened this is really emotional and now it's made it even more beautiful which is really special to me.
2: Yeah, that is really beautiful and it's I mean I suppose how do you ever untangle those things anyway because making something to eat either for yourself or for someone you care about be it a friend or a loved one or whatever it's it's so imbued in nurture and love already isn't it when you're creating something to eat for you both um I mean you've already just said like what was I thinking you know six week old baby can you remember how you were feeling at the time when you thought "Yep, a book is a great plan
3: well it's like I I I planned it before I gave birth but I was pregnant but it was I was going back and forth with publishers and, and ideas so it wasn't set in stone so it it was only kind of after I had the baby that it was like, okay, go, this is the deadline, you've got to deliver it. And it was really hard because of it, like I didn't know what motherhood really was. Like I have a great mom, I have a great role model and I love her, so that was a great start. I wasn't sure what motherhood would be like for me in terms of if someone else's baby, if someone had a baby and I was around them, I would not be the one going up to the baby because I had that kind of like, oh if the baby doesn't like me, I'm gonna be sad. So I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna let the baby do what the baby wants to do and I'm not gonna interrupt. But I always knew that when I have kids one day, like I'm really excited about it. So I became a mum and like, one, I don't know why. Like, I plan to breastfeed, but I had no idea that breastfeeding was all through the night. I don't know. I think part of the problem was because of lockdown, there was no, like, mum groups or, like, antenatal classes or anything. So I just kind of threw myself in. And suddenly I'm like, I have a baby that has colic. I didn't even know what colic was. Oh, I'm doing reflexology on his feet to try and make him fart and poo. And and like, <laughs> and he's upset. Like, it was just this whole, like... I'm exhausted. Like, I haven't slept in days. And my mum was looking at me like, wow, Rach, you look rough. And luckily, she <laughs> she would just walk him up and down the stairs to help with the colic, and I would just be, like, on the sofa in the summer, just melting. And um, then it came to writing a book, so I kind of feel like I was a bit of a zombie through the the beginning. And luckily, my mum was just that kind of hero that I could be like, OK, mum, I have to test recipes and she would just hold him in the kitchen or put him on the bouncer and just bounce him, make him laugh. And then mm. I'd just be there cooking. And then at the end of it, she would get a really delicious meal. And then she also got to like create this beautiful relationship with her grandson. And it just became this really crazy, hectic, wild but beautiful experience in writing a book.
2: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm smiling for a lot of that because you've already touched on so many things I wanted to speak to you about not least your relationship with your mum, which sounds amazing. And the idea of this sort of three generations under one roof is really, really gorgeous. And I imagine if your sort of early few weeks of motherhood and all those months in you know, the last year, is anything like my, my sort of existence, when I've just had a baby, it sort of swings between this really wholesome things so when the baby's gurgling away and you're cooking and you're thinking, this is actually really lovely and everything's almost sort of super good. It gives you this sort of rush of... Yeah, it's sort of like eating something that's really good for you, like it's so wholesome. Or all the wheels are falling off and yeah. the baby needs something and you're thinking, I don't actually know how... It's like hanging by a thread, the <laughs> yeah. entire thing. And there's not really a lot in the middle. It's sort
3: of either like not. one or the other. <laughs> it really is that because I honestly... Like when I would explain it, um, people would like... Friends would ask me like, oh, how's motherhood? And I'd be like, I'm so in love. And then someone close to me would be like, but you're always tired of moaning. And I'm like... Yeah, but I love him. <laughs> it was like, I'm always tired and exhausted, but I, those, those moments of bonding and the breastfeed, like everything just is so, like you say, wholesome and, and amazing.
2: Yeah, and you're actually in, I presume you're now at home in the place where you actually gave birth. Is that right?
3: Yeah. That's
2: pretty sensational, Rachel, I have to say. I'm pretty amazed by that. Really? Wonderful. I think it's wonderful. Thank I would have loved you. that. I mean, was it kind of the plan right from the start that you liked? The, is that where your mum had you? Were you born yeah. in this house? Wow.
3: So, yeah, this house, my mum and dad bought this house over 30 years ago. So the price comparison is a joke. <laughs> but luckily, me, like, me and my brother were raised here. And London is so expensive that I haven't moved out because I want to buy. I don't want to rent. But it's just meant I'm still here. But luckily, it's just me and my mum and she's like my best friend. And then when I found out I was pregnant, I just said, I want a home birth. It was like a, that was the only option in my head. Um, Because I I knew I was born in this house and it was just like, I mean, fair enough. I've never had a close friend or family member give birth. So I'd never really seen it. But I just knew I want to do it at home. Mm -hmm. And I had to fight and push for it because of the state of the pandemic and everything. I just knew that this was the safest place for me to do it. And I just knew that I can't have one person in the room. I can't have my, my son's dad and not my mum. And I can't say to his dad, can you just sit this one out so I can be with my mum? Because <laughs> that's just not okay either. Whereas if I do it at home, I've got them to... I'm in my safe space. I know this house. It's I, I'd, I've i lived here my whole life. It just made complete sense. And I fought for it. And it was it was so... Well, it was hard, but it was beautiful. It was, I had two midwives come and I had neo-soul in the background. I had incense. Uh, the first two midwives, their shift ended, but they didn't even want to leave because they were having such a nice time. Oh, wow. So then I had another two midwives and there was four midwives. <laughs> My windows were open. It was a warm summer's day. I mean, I was in pain, but there was still something really calming and beautiful about it and I've recorded some of it that I look back on which is amazing and at the at the end when he finally came it was like everyone just broke for recess and there was an ambulance outside because I had stitches and the neighbours all came out and they're like Rachel congratulations and the midwives broke and they were like wow that was amazing I'll see you see you another time and it was just like quite surreal when I look back at how special that whole thing was and I'm so grateful that I for me knew that I needed that and I stuck with it and it was perfect
2: yeah and I I imagine if you're close to your mum in the way that I'm close to my mum if your mum hadn't been someone sort of supporting that from the get-go it would have probably been really hard to actually push for that even if instinctively that's what you wanted but having your mum say yeah that I've done that and it worked for me as well
3: that's really helped massively and I think I'm also really grateful for my mum in that respect because she's my other anchor so even in childbirth if if I'm kind of losing myself a little bit she just brings me down to earth she's done it she's done it in this environment I trust her with my life so it gives you so much confidence to fight for yourself internally and externally and Mm. yeah.
2: Yeah and can you feel the layers of your relationship with your mum building through what you've gone through just in the last 12 months yeah yeah that's pretty amazing isn't it she, she was, already close but
3: yeah she was already a best friend and then her I, I said to someone the other day like I felt unconditional love through how she raised me but having a baby kind of really showed me what it was mm. and even in becoming a mum she just had my back so much and her focus in raising me was always to nurture and help first it was never to try and control or try and tell me what to do and that's why even now when I have my baby she's still the same nurture first I never feel like oh go away mum it's like she's she just has my back and she's she's there for me and it's is such a beautiful relationship and I'm I'm glad that my son now will get to have that with my mum because I just think that's so great for him.
2: Yeah, and I think one of the things, the sort of unexpected joys, actually, of of um, raising a small person is seeing the relationships that they form with other people, and it's sort of nothing to do with you in a really good way. So, like your son and his grandma will have something that's just just theirs, and yeah. you're kind of in the peripheral of that, and that's yeah. quite a nice feeling. Like it's just just for them. Yeah, <laughs> and it can actually end up being really, you know, beneficial. And I think you know that whole thing about the grandparent is they have that very non-judgmental way of helping to raise their grandbabies uh, which as parents it's sometimes quite hard you think you're being like that but really you know, <laughs> it's, it's very up close to your face and you can't help but let all your feelings and worries yeah. get in the way I mean my eldest now I'm actually because sort of the plan is that when he moves out I'm gonna my mum lives 10 minutes away and she now lives on her own and i want him to move in there i think that'd be a really good place so he can go and live there so he'll still be near yeah uh, we get an extra bedroom back which would be yeah. handy for my next one down but um but yeah it would just mean that they've got they can continue living like that i think that'd be Yeah the thing. i think that really really it.
3: nice yeah it's quite
2: cute isn't it yeah <laughs> they both seem open to that at the moment which is good um So you've spoken about when you saw your book. Can you tell me a little bit more about the book? Because this is one pot cooking, is that right?
3: Yeah, so the idea behind the book really came from when I was touring my first book and everyone just kept asking, you know, like, how do you maintain a vegan diet? And I realised that I just relearned how to cook. So before I would have, like, say on a Sunday, a roast dinner. So I'd have a big roast chicken. And then the next couple of days, I'd probably use that, whether to make it a soup or make chicken sandwiches, or you just kind of use what you have in the fridge to make meals. That's how I ate. And yeah. suddenly, when I'm vegan, that the whole main piece used to be like the meat, whereas now it's gone. So I would make something big on a Sunday, but that was vegan, and then have that different ways over the next couple of days. Mm. That way, myself, I was saving time and just that was how I cook. So it made sense when I came up with this book to kind of share that with people and create a book where I'm going to give you how to make one big pot of food and how to then use that as the centrepiece instead of me make sure it's flavorful and easy to make and then have it this way on Monday, have it this way on Tuesday and have it this way on Wednesday or have it the same way every day if you like eating the same food over and over again, which I do actually like to do. Yeah. And I really want in this to just help break that for the people that do want to have more plant-based meals but just don't know how to have it more than once or get into the habit of cooking with vegetables more often and how to make them flavorful. So that's that's the goal here.
2: Yeah, and I think one of the things that I really one of the reasons I wanted I've been following you on Instagram for ages is because I think you make your food pictures, they always look so inviting that I'm not even thinking about the fact that they're vegan, which I know sounds like a really, like, I'm sure a lot of people will say that to you, but it's just, I think sometimes if you're someone that does eat meat in your diet, you feel like when you go for the plant-based options, you're sort of doing, it, it's quite a conscious thing, like, oh, I'm, but actually, the things you make, I always think, that just looks, my brain just goes, yummy, you know, I just want to eat that. <laughs> I mean, I think food photography is such a big part of it. I mean, when you start cooking, did you you know did you have to sort of develop that skill for how to make the food really jump out in the
3: photos I think I was just kind of YOLOing it in the beginning um (laughs) like all of it like learning how to film myself for YouTube and how to talk on camera you just kind of go with the flow and then it wasn't until I did my first book when I was actually watching like a food stylist and I was my mind was suddenly blown because I was like Wow, this is like behind the mirror like there's like planning involved and plates and the lighting and and making the food look as attractive as possible. And I think what helped me before seeing that experience was I just gravitate towards a really healthy looking plate of food. And when I say healthy looking, I mean just full of loads of food mm. and variety I, I'm not really a fan of a beige plate I do like some variety and colour, in colour.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah and spice and all those things yeah, yeah. I
3: want to see the sauce and the spices and the char grills and whatever I've made it's tasty for the the reasoning of how I've Created texture or added flavours and layers, and I want to see that in my pictures, so that people Mm. understand that that really tastes good.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you've spoken about the sort of behind the scenes of a cookery book, and when when you first did your first book, presumably you you know you've done it yourself for ages, and that's why there's interest. That's why you've you know written a pitch for what how you pictured the book being, and then suddenly cookbooks they've got a whole kind of energy to them because the people that make cookbooks churn out lots in the year there's a kind of these are the people that do the different roles and if you're not careful you probably end up with something that's sort of sort of a vague version of what you do but not actually 100% like representing the same style especially when you know you've already established yourself in a very visual world with all social media and everything yeah Um, and I was reading that when you did your first book the first pictures you saw, you thought, actually, that's not, that's not quite it. And then when you got some fabrics, you had some fabrics from Sierra Leone, things that represented like the extended family so that you could really yeah. draw all of that together. And presumably you feel a lot more confident with your second book now. They're just like, I know exactly how to get yeah, this out there.
3: definitely. And I, I think when I was came to the point of writing a book, it was so important for it to feel like me, like I'm giving people people want my recipes, they want to know what I'm making and I, I really felt like, because I didn't want to get lost in it because there are the different departments, different areas, it needed to feel like Rachel through and through, otherwise I'll feel really silly going on stage and saying this is my book and it doesn't represent me. Yeah. And this new book, I, I was so like nervous and excited because I was so headstrong on the vision of the book and I when I met well met online with the (laughs) the the graphics team and everything I told them exactly what I want and they they really really nailed how I visualized my book and it was such a moment of relief and excitement and I was also just nervous about being on the cover because I just had a baby and I was like Kind of really, what's the word? I tried to explain like at the time, I didn't know what I liked in terms of my style and how I wanted to dress. And I'd lost hair and I was like, I can't style my hair in ways that I used to style my hair. And it became this even more kind of precious book of mine that I was redefining kind of who I was because now I'm a mum too and this is my second book. This is older, more mature Rachel, but still the exact same Rachel. And it, I feel like the book really helped me find the voice of Rachel Ammer as a mum as well as a chef because just designing it and the food in it and... The voice I was sharing in it, it kind of is like the evolution of, of me, which I really find quite special.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's interesting that you found it helpful in that way, because I, I think you've actually just summed up a lot of why I wanted to start these, these, this podcast and these conversations, because I felt exactly like the way you've just described, that when I had my first baby... I mean, it happens to a certain extent with whenever I've had a baby, but I think the first one was the one where it was like, whoa, just knocked me for six. I remember just thinking, I don't know exactly where I'm at anymore and all the things I sort of liked before and how I used to dress and it just didn't feel like, is is that definitely still me? Is that how I still want to betray myself? Um, I hadn't, you know, that was before I'd even thought about making music or how I do that side of me. Oh, this is just literally just how do I go out? You know, if I'm pushing the buggy around, yeah. or if I'm meeting friends. Yeah. And I think some women feel that to you know the greater or lesser extent. But I think it's quite hard not to feel that at all, just because it's yeah. this new thing of like, okay, I'm now, I'm now a mum, and I, I think part of that process is quite homogenising in a way because you're suddenly part of this whole new. New part, like new demographic, if you like. Yeah. You know, you're now, okay, you're now a new parent. You'll be wanting these products, and this is how you're probably feeling. And welcome to all these, you know, online discussion things. And yeah, it's it can make you feel like you're quite a, quite lost in it, hard to find exactly who you are and what what works for you. And I wonder if it is, in some ways the fact that you were in more of a lockdown situation and at home with your your mum and your baby, and it was a lot more focused, you could
3: sort of work through that in a different way, I wonder? I reckon so, because there's a lot less external voices creeping in because I couldn't go anywhere and I had to focus on my book and being a mum. And I think you're right, I just had to kind of pinpoint, it was like, right, I don't know how I want my hair to be, but I need to figure it out because I have a deadline where I have to shoot the cover of the book. I'm not really sure what kind of clothes I like. I'm not really sure what clothes even fit me right now. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not sure what clothes work with breastfeeding. Exactly. and i have a new body as well. Like yeah. Your body doesn't,
2: isn't the same shape Completely necessarily. Completely different. Like, yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. And it's like, I don't even know when it's going to be in a position where it's going to stay the same again for a while because I know for now it's going to keep changing. And it is just, you're just up in the air. And I remember... Um, my son's dad was like, Okay, I'm just going to buy you a bunch of clothes. What do you want? And I said, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I like. Like, that isn't helping me right now. And he was like, Well, well you're, you're, he was like, You're dressing like grandma. And I was like, I'm just wearing track because I don't know what else to wear. And then he bought me all these clothes and I was like, But I don't know. I don't know how to wear them right now because my body is different. And I like, it's, you're just so confused. Yeah. And, yeah. Even to this day, like I feel like I've 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 pinpointed and, and found this new Rachel from this kind of what is happening right now? Who am I? Yeah, it's so interesting.
2: Yeah, and I think that will continue to evolve because your baby yeah. is, what, is he just, just turned one? He's still yeah, very little. Oh, just turned one. the first birthday, that's so yeah. cute. <laughs> 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 um, I mean, do you, did you kind of, I suppose, obviously, you haven't got anything to directly compare it to, but do you feel like there were big things that um, people who became parents during lockdown would all agree is sort of a pro and a, and a con? You think there are things that you've probably
3: experienced quite differently? I think there's pros and cons in a lot. I think people are, I notice people are worried that I have a a lockdown baby, which I ask them what they mean by that. And they say like antisocial. And I don't think my son is antisocial at all, actually. Um, I think there's like external pressures on what other people expect a baby that was in lockdown to be like, where it's like, can we just remove that and just see who they are and who they evolve to be? I think... There was pros of not going out to mum activities because I even had the app and it was too much headache for me that I deleted the app because (laughs) I noticed that any pregnant lady might have the worry or concern and then it's on an app and then everyone's asking and then there's this kind of intense pressure about measuring kicks and measuring this and all. And and to me, I didn't approach my pregnancy like that and I was like, whoa, 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 everyone else... (laughs) Everyone else's problems are now becoming my problem. I don't want this anymore. And I deleted the app. And I think if there was more in real life things that happen out of lockdown, that might have been more conversations that I would have wanted to avoid. Hmm. But equally at the same token, I didn't know that I was gonna be breastfeeding through the night. I might have known that if I had met moms who'd had kids already. <laughs> And even so. What, just, do you think the baby was just not going to want anything to eat during the night? I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> Honestly, like, I. Why do really you think feel... people always talk about being so tired? I, I You know, it's so crazy to me because, like, mums will but say the they're tired. Yeah, mm. and I'm like, Oh yeah, it must be. And I'm like, Rachel, what was you thinking? You had no idea you had
2: no idea. It's like <laughs> You thought you're gonna have a very like just baby that goes, You know what? It's about
3: eight PM. I'll see you at eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I actually had Thank no you for a lovely, lovely day. <laughs> see you in the think, morning. <laughs> literally, I think I must have just thought, Oh, everyone's surviving, so it mustn't be that bad. Like I'm just <laughs> so naive about what it actually takes. So naive. I even remember I said to um, my uncle's wife, when I was a lot younger, I was still a teenager, something about my new dog and <laughs> how it would wake me up through the night. It must be like a new baby. <laughs> Rachel, Rachel, how dare you compare your dog to... Oh, I don't know.
2: I've heard that comparison before. Don't worry about that. Yeah,
3: well, now I'm like... <laughs> Zero comparison. Wildly, <laughs> wildly apart. Wildly apart. Um, I maybe the pun universe's punishment was here. Have a colicky baby that doesn't sleep more than two hours, maybe three if you're lucky. And now Ooh. I've learned my lesson. That is pretty tough, though. <laughs> that is pretty tough. Is he sleeping better now? He's still sleeping every two hours, ah, maybe three. That's yeah.
2: rough. I do feel for you with that.
1: Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. me too. With the Alvin June Manny System, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours. And love your nails more than ever. I would know. I've been doing it for years. Get twenty percent off your first Manny System with code Perfect Manny Twenty at AlvinJune.com/PerfectManny20. That's Perfect Manny Twenty at alvinjunecom manny 20
0: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: I think uh, as well, they kind of have their sleep identity a little bit, so I feel like I've had five very different sleepers and uh yeah they tend to just sort of have a version that you know they're either good sleepers or not so good or early risers or light lying in and you kind of get a sense of it probably probably right by the time yeah about one one and a half you might have a little bit maybe a few more six, like six more months to kind of yeah see
3: where you're at with them and that's what I got to I got to a point where I was like some babies sleep long some babies don't if I yeah. have another baby fingers crossed
2: <laughs> yeah and I guess at least you're working from home so you can kind of oh my god yeah mould it around that and uh, exactly. presumably you're going to raise him vegan
3: yeah I am and is uh, that,
2: that that must be something that's quite um quite natural anyway because you start babies off on fruit and veg no matter what it's very that's that's a, quite a standard way to start and then there's so many flavours that you can just yeah. keep introducing
3: I found it really interesting being pregnant and seeing the foods they tell you to avoid as a pregnant lady and how it's all meat fish and dairy and in my head, I was like, how is it that in pregnancy we are to avoid these foods, but it, it's taboo to live that way in general or raise a child that way? Um, which it's taboo? Do
2: you think it's taboo to the sort of vegan? Aspect? I, I suppose I feel like it's become a, the face of veganism to me has changed so much since say I was a teenager. It's just
3: now I it feel It has. Like, yeah. It's yeah it's 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 worlds apart i think and but I still have conversations where I explain why why I have to explain why I wouldn't give my son um milk dairy um which I find a little bit frustrating or i've I've been questioned about how I'd be healthy in my pregnancy or if I would get enough protein or just things like that mm. which were a little bit frustrating but yeah. i guess because it wasn't normal before um yeah well that
2: must be really frustrating actually because these things that's the joy of seeing your kid eat and also the you know the pressure you already feel when you're raising a baby about the nutrition and everything i mean i've actually had two like, dairy intolerant kids so i mm-hmm. you know i've done two years solid where they haven't touched anything like cheese or milk or anything um and actually it's it's so much easier and I think for me the only issue I would ever have thought is actually just being able to get hold of stuff but now you can go yeah. to any corner shop anywhere or anything and it's just it's become not alternatives only everywhere. alternatives everywhere and not just as a very acceptable thing but actually I think that people are actively encouraged to make part of their diet now just as part of how the world is evolving um, yeah and actually I was going to ask you about if you're you know what would you recommend to me as a good place a good meal to cook for my brood, if I'm trying to sort of give them a good, really good vegan, like a Sunday lunch kind of a thing.
3: See, this is where I never like to talk out of my, <laughs> my I, I don't have, he's one, so i like Oh, I know that, talk. but I meant
2: for me, for, like, what for, for you, for okay.
3: family, yeah, don't worry, yeah. Um, <laughs> in my new book, I have a really nice gene, and I have a really nice... I have quite a lot of recipes in my new book that are really, really family friendly. Um, mm. I think what's great about them being family friendly is you can make it all in a big, big, big pot, um, and then you can add your little sides to it, so you can vary it for the different ages. So I have uh, like the fam. I have a chapter called Basics where I've got roast all on one tray, vegetables and some legumes, and then different spices or herbs to keep it simple for various taste buds that I think are going to be family favourite recipes. Ooh,
2: yeah. We'll definitely have to check all of that out. Um, I mean, we, we have actually... We do try and eat quite a lot of plant-based here anyway just to keep it healthy. It doesn't feel right doing lots of um, meat and fish, I don't think, anyway. But I think just... I love My favourite is when you've done it and no one even really notices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, that is... Honestly,
3: I still get that to this day. I, on his first birthday, I... Cooked for um, family in the garden. So I cooked for like 50 people, and none of them are vegan. One person, two people were vegan. And I literally had my cousins coming up to me, and, and most of them are Caribbean, and they're, they're like, Rate what is in this what did you put like they're completely shocked all the food was gone there was none left for me the plates were empty and it was constant questions how is this vegan what did you put in this how (laughs) comes it tastes so good because it's my mission is just to make textures flavorful and also I think what I explain to people in vegan food sometimes when you're new to it when I was new to it I wasn't giving myself enough variety of food and I was finding myself hungry and one of the time one of the ways that I helped myself was to base my meal my centerpiece okay around a protein source whether it was a chickpea or a butter bean or kidney beans or tofu or Mm. a plant-based alternative so Every time I had that main centerpiece, I knew that it was full-bodied and it was going to fill me up, ah, yes. and I wasn't going to go to sleep hungry, because I did that in like my first few weeks of veganism, and it was tragic. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Well, because the veganism, this is something that happened about, it's about five years ago, is that right?
3: When I went vegan, uh, mm. or six, yeah, five or six. Cool.
2: And did you find, do you still find that you occasionally do get any cravings for the things you used to eat before, or does that, has that just completely gone now? Like I mean chicken. I've heard that you used to like KFC and that kind of thing.
3: Yeah, I used to love a bit of fried chicken. That was my that was my thing. Also just being Caribbean, I had jerk chicken and I had curry goat and I had all these all this Caribbean food was just like a big warm hug to me. That's what I knew. And I think that's why when I went vegan, it was my mission. To have the same delicious food that I thought was delicious before, just in plant based ways. Mm. Even in my book, I've got a Cajun deep fried oyster mushrooms, which they are phenomenal fried chicken alternatives that mm. would shock all mushroom haters, would eat that and go, I think I like mushrooms. <laughs> because yeah, that sounds, it sounds good. Oh, it's so, it's so delicious you get the texture and you get the crispy seasoned outer skin and it will not skin just fried batter and it's so nostalgic to the original and you don't feel like you're missing out on the fried chicken I can make jerk in ways and season it on vegetables or vegan meats and, and make it so good that you're not thinking I risk this was on a piece of chicken um so and that that makes me like feel good because The reason I went vegan, a large part of it, as well as animal welfare, was just nutrition and health. And I was quite annoyed as a city girl in London that I never really knew much about the farming processes. And I had no idea how my chicken, my fried chicken was ending up on my plate. And it really annoyed me that I was so clueless to it. And I wanted my friends and my family to reap the benefits of having more whole foods and plant-based foods, that they are delicious, and actually they're fueling your body in really nice ways. So to be able to do what I do now and have people enjoy my food, enjoy the recipes, reaping the taste and the nutrition aspects, it it honestly just makes me so happy.
2: Yeah, and that's such a great motivation because you've kind of, for the last few things you've been saying, you've got so many strands there. you know, the experience of all the flavours you've tried before and wanting to make sure that you've got, as you said, that nutritional hug, you're getting all of that nourishment, Um, the idea of actually bettering people, but also making it so delicious and exciting and zingy. And, you know, when you mentioned nostalgia, I was thinking, you know, it sounded like when I was, I watched an interview with you and you were talking about things you wanted to do when you were growing up. And actually one of them, I think, is music management, which I thought was really interesting. Um, And I know music's still a really big part of your life, but... Um, I wondered if, if you know, to what extent your family is sort of woven into the dishes that you create. Are they all kind of represented there? Do you think of them when you're kind of cooking things and picturing them all sort of around the table eating it?
3: Well, um, so my grandma um, from St. Lucia, she was a cook and she cooked at uh, hospitals, she cooked at nursing homes, she cooked at schools. And when she was here, she would cook on the Sunday for the family, on Boxing Day or the family reunions. My grandma would cook. And when I was younger, I, I didn't really... You just take it for granted. You just, oh, she's a great cook. We know mm. that. Food's great. And now that I've found this career in cooking, it feels like, especially my, my love... Caribbean food on white it feels like a big warm hug to me I think is partly because it reminds me of her kitchen because that was the smells I had and that is my roots but I never cooked with her so I feel especially kind of connected to her mm. and I feel like she would be looking down on me and be really excited and proud that little Rachel her little granddaughter has suddenly found this love of cooking and especially in Caribbean food, which is her home. And I like to think I'm doing her justice. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Um, So it feels really special.
2: I think you're more than doing her justice. I mean, you know, you get to speak her name and it continues the legacy. And also if she was cooking in you know, hospitals and schools. It's like, this is a woman who can cook under pressure. This is a woman under who can pressure. cook under for time. Like, get all <laughs> those plates out there, like, cook for lots of people. She yeah. probably found doing your Sunday lunch is, like, a bit of a doddle in comparison because yeah. it's, like, she can talk to people. Like, it's, like, for half the number of people, at least. It's yeah. Like, yeah, I think that's a lovely thing about cooking, and I think that's the way it works. It's so It's so close to home and food. I feel like your food relationship is kind of crystallised by the time you're about 10 in a lot of ways in terms of, associations and your sort of emotional response to you know how excited you get about cooking something when something's in front of you it's all it's also sort of part of like your early it's another version of language I feel like. It
3: is and I feel like good food is it's universal there is in my opinion there is nothing like having a moment where you've got a big plate of food of your favorite foods and being able just to sit there and enjoy it, whether you're with your friends, your family, if you're by yourself, it's, it's just... I love to make that a special moment. I'm never someone that wants to eat on the go. I'm like, I want to sit down and enjoy my meal and take that in because it is... Food is one of the most beautiful gifts we have. And when we make it taste right, mm. our taste buds are rewarded and they're happy. And it is a feel-good moment that... Mm. If you can take time to enjoy that moment, enjoy it. <laughs> Definitely.
2: Yeah, yeah. And actually, it's become so much more like the last 16 months or whatever, everybody's focused a lot more on making themselves something delicious to eat, haven't they? Because we've all been yeah. been stuck at home. And I mean, when I mentioned before that, you know, it was unexpected having a baby when you did. But yes. did you always think that you'd be a mum one
3: day? I'd always hoped to be a mum one day. And I, I do think it's just such... Having such a positive relationship with my mum... To me, becoming a man myself would only be another positive relationship. So yeah, it was like, oh my goodness, my career's just starting. Well, yeah, I was <laughs> going to ask you about that. Was there a bit of a, at home? Yeah, yeah. Was
2: there a bit of a, a feeling of like, okay, is this is this going to work out? Because oh, it yeah. can be really scary, and that I mean, I, I can very much relate
3: if that was how you felt. Um, yeah, I, massively. <laughs> I, I. I was kind of just like, I felt like the the universe was, I felt like he just chose me and was like, boom, you're my mum, and that's the way <laughs> it's going to go. And I was kind of like, oh, okay. Um, I had projects lined up, and some of them required me to travel. And I was like, do I tell the producers that I'm pregnant? By the time we shoot it, will I have a bump? Are they not going to want me there? Am I not going to be able to do this? There was so much kind of confusion in how does this fit in with the career path and everything I'd planned out for the next year. And then boom, everyone had to stop Mm. and everyone had to sit down and everyone had to stay in their houses. And it was this kind kind of like, oh, the fear of... Falling behind suddenly kind of lifted because everyone had to slow down. God, that's
2: crazy. You must have felt like some weird, like I know, I mean, I know this baby chose me for his mum, but he's really gone at it in a dramatic fashion <laughs> to, to alleviate <laughs> like anything, any just to clear my diary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got amazing Literally. powers. Boom. Yeah. Everybody stop. <laughs> yeah, that's really true, because actually that first bit where you think oh my goodness, and you're sort of, every time someone says a plan or something in the diary, and you're kind of oh counting in your gosh, fingers, yeah. like, okay, you okay, yeah, I'll be like seven months, I'm sure that'll yeah. be fine, I've got no idea how that'll feel. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember when I got pregnant, um, I'd only been going out with uh, Richard, who you met very briefly, for about six weeks. Um, oh, wow. And, yeah, and I phoned my mum, and... Um, she said this bit of advice that basically we both clung onto, which was it might not be the right time and it might not be the right man, but it's the right baby. And it just gave us a bit of breathing space just to let our relationship, we still dated and we didn't move in and all that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just like, do we want to have this baby together? Yes. You know, you're, you're his dad, I'm his mum. That, that is a given, we're going to deal with that and then we'll just have our relationship I mean, I look back and it was kind of comedic because I think Richard moved in, like, two weeks before Sonny was born in the end, but...
1: Really?
3: (laughs) Yeah. We're going to do it separate, but together. Yeah. We're going to do it all together. (laughs) Exactly. And, like, meeting
2: his parents with, like, a bump and all this kind of thing, but... um, I think it just... Because it just gave me a a way to just focus on, like, sort of separate things out a little bit so that I felt a bit
3: calmer. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Because
3: otherwise it's just quite a lot to take in all at once. It is a lot. I I almost want to kind of reverse and just sit here and question you about your whole experience so I can <laughs> gain some knowledge. <laughs> what do you want to
2: know? I mean, I'm I'm an open book with it, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know. It's just um, a big, it's a big exercise in going with the flow, I think. Yeah. But unlike you, I didn't have, and actually I think, Thinking about you're one of the few people where they've had an idea of how they want to give birth and it's actually what happens. Yeah. For most of my girlfriends, they had an idea of it, myself included, and then something completely different happened. Yeah. Um. And I ended up having my first uh, two months early. So when he was born, we'd actually only been dating for uh, eight months. So mm-hmm. it was all a bit... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a little bit dramatic. But then we didn't know any different, so you just get on with it, really. Yeah. But Yeah. I'm very happy to give... I never, oh, is it advice? I've had experience, I'd say. Life husband. experience.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you remember when your first baby turned a year old and where your headspace was and what you thought the next five years would look like and did they look anything like that?
2: Well, I definitely don't think I felt as uh, much myself as you seemed to sound when you were making a book. I mean, I'm, you know, it's interesting, you said your book kind of helped you feel like yourself again because I felt like that took... I feel like that took at least two years, actually, yeah. maybe even three. Um, and all my work, I just had to park it. I was when
3: I. <laughs> you didn't brilliant. have a pandemic then, too. I didn't up. have a pandemic.
2: <laughs> no, but I did. When i when I realised I was pregnant, I was just releasing my first single from my second album.
3: Wow. So the timing was
2: pretty pretty bad. Wow. <laughs> sort of comedically bad, and I didn't tell anybody. And like the first single was a song called Mixed Up World, and I was singing it on top of the pops. And I was wow. newly pregnant, but no one knew. No one knew yeah. I was dating Richard. Wow. Um, and I was also still being managed by someone I'd just I previously dated. So the whole thing was quite. It was quite intense. Yeah, a lot taken.
3: take in. Was a lot. <laughs> it's a pretty intense in. time.
2: Um, and I'd say basically everything's kind of been much easier since then.
1: <laughs> really?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think wow. that was the worst bit, really, and like suddenly being wow. born early. And the vision of the next five years? Nah, I'm not very good at that. Are you
3: quite a planner then? Do you have an idea of five years? I'm a planner, but not at all. Like when I talk to my friends about motherhood, I'm not much of a schedule kind <laughs> of person. Oh, yeah, it's quite I good. am more of a go overflow. And I think that's the only reason I got through like my book and everything is because I just go, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. I'm just going to go this way. I'm just going to go that way. I'm going to try this right now. Um, so yeah, I think just, being
2: instinctive is good. I would recommend that.
3: Okay. Yeah,
2: because plans and kids and plans don't tend to be great bedfellows. I don't think. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you don't know who you're going to have. Like, they come along and they're the whole. They're, they're the just whole their own person. person, and yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, you might have an idea of like oh, I'm going. You know, my like for example, you know, you might you might have a baby that's not really that bothered about food. He might be just a bit yeah. a bit unfussed by the whole thing. He might not yeah. get excited. You know, yeah. I've got one kid in my house who doesn't get like Richard and I love food. We're always, if we're not in the middle of preparing ourselves something, we're thinking about the next meal. I go to bed being excited. I get to have breakfast when I wake up. Like, food is a big part of my life. But I've got one child who's just not. He'd probably just eat. He eats in a functional way. Yeah, I don't relate <laughs> yeah. at all. How did I produce that?
3: <laughs> yeah, we'll see. He, I'm, I'm hoping he's gonna be my sous chef, but you mm. know, he might decide he has no interest. So we'll, only time will tell.
2: Yeah, well, you know what? Even if he's not like massively interested, you can still help. He can still be helpful. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's two different things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, so your mum has been the person, the sort of linchpin. It sounds like I love the idea of your relationship. It sounds so gorgeous, and I don't know if there's any point moving out, really, Rachel. I think you should just stay living at home. It sounds like Thank you for saying that. <laughs> it's
3: really I've nice. I've literally been. I literally because I'm I I before I found out I was pregnant, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna have to go. I'm gonna go. I live in North London. I was like, I'm just gonna go in Brixton and just create my own little. And then I found out I was pregnant. I was like, okay, well, we're not going anywhere. And then the pandemic, and I was like, well. You've made less money this year anyway, so <laughs> you're not going anywhere. And then I felt this pressure now to, like, provide for him and have a garden for him. And at the minute he's in my room and I'm like, no, he needs his own, be- not right now, but he- I want him to have his own bedroom and I want him to have this. And then the other part of me kind of checked myself, like, you're in a home that you feel safe in. That is a really beautiful home that you actually love with your mum, who is also your best friend and is taking care of your son when you're working. And I'm in London in this little beautiful utopia, and it's actually really perfect. So why are you trying to force these ideals? Because at my age, when my mum was my age, she had a house and was married and had two kids, but actually, Buying a house back with was a completely different kettle of fish, and being by, I just it just kind of I got a reality check on how lucky I actually am to be here. Yeah, that actually I should take advantage of this, uh, and when it feels right, when the time is right, it will be there.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I think also you know you're you're productive. It's not like you're feeling like lost. We're talking about your your somewhere where you're getting things done and you have your space. But also for your mum, I think, you know, she's getting so much out of it too. Yeah. And babies and, and kids, you know, for the, especially with how life is at the moment, it does provide routine and purpose. And you get up in yeah. the morning and this small person needs you and they're smiley yeah. and they go, right, let's, you know... Well, most of the time they're smiley, not always. But yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, those, yeah, yeah. They're like, right, what does, what does today hold for me? And I think that's really that's really like stuff is happening you're in a, a world where play, things are happening and you're yeah. and I think also when you've got a new baby it's really easy to feel very cut off and very isolated it is. and being able to uh, you know see your friends go into the local community places that are familiar things that you know yeah. where to go like don't put yourself under any extra pressure. What's the point? No one um, else no one else is keeping tabs on what happens in yeah, anyone else's right? lives like that.
3: That only comes from you, really, that feeling, I think. It really does. <laughs> and even, like you say, like with how crazy the world is, the other day my mum was at work and she came home quite late and she said, oh, Rach, every now and again when I get a bit stressed or if I look at the world in certain ways, I remember his smile and then I feel better. Aww. And it's like, oh that's
2: so sweet well he's a lucky boy because he's surrounded by love I just think babies born around like that it's the best best thing ever
3: yeah I mean you
2: mentioned mum working did did you grow up with your mum working was she always a working mum when you were young
3: yeah so my dad was a is a cab driver and my mum um by the time I was born opened her first not her first shop she'd had shop but this was In Crouch, and she opened a gift shop, and she's been running her independent shop since. So she's always been working, but always been able to be flexible because it was her own shop. So I remember as a little girl, and there's pictures of me like sweeping the floor in the shop or I used to have my scooter and I used to when the shop would be closed I'd be there just going around and around and around and all the staff knew me and I remember sick days I'd be in my mum's shop with the pricing gun in the basement pricing notepads like um yeah so I guess I always wanted to also have a job where I could work but I could also be present yeah, be flexible. And
2: I think also it sounds it's like your mum. Yeah, she, if you work in a shop, presumably as well, you get that community of your regular customers and yeah. seeing people, and that's quite good for your head. And I suppose that's what we've got now with um, being able to put things online it's the community that you can find. I mean, did you feel like it really kind of gained something extra in the last while, where everybody's obviously been turning to their phones to find things to do and, and places to be and watch lives and all this sort of thing?
3: I feel like I found my new mum friends because of Instagram. Literally, like, I saw people's pregnancy announcements and I slid in DMs and was like, I'm pregnant too. <laughs> <laughs> and now that, because I I followed them for interest of, like, what they were doing in their life or their, their diet choice, like one of my friends was into nutrition my other friend was into um holistic healthcare, and, and then I follow them and then they announce they're pregnant I'm like oh my god I'm pregnant too and then all of a sudden let's meet up and we've got kids that are the same age and without that I think I would still be kind of trying to find some mum I mean I've got two I should slow down but to me that's massive what two you got two what Two, two new mum friends. Two new mum
2: friends. No, that's yeah. good. I think actually that when you don't have that, I didn't really know any, anybody with kids when I had my first, and I do think it makes a massive difference just being able to just hang out with people who've got exactly the same thing to, you know. Yeah. You, you meet because they're small people, but then you become friends because you've got other things in common. Yeah. That's, that's the good stuff. And actually that as well helps you get to that bit as well, feeling like, yes, this is me. This is me when I'm, I am raising <laughs> that person, but I'm also myself. <laughs> Yeah. Do you feel, find it easier now to to know what to wear and how to see your hair and all these things? Is that kind of coming back? Do you
3: think in it's terms coming of- back? <laughs> but I actually think the gym was a massive help in that. Okay. One thing in particular that I really noticed was my posture. Um. So I started training. I think two months after, with a PT and like, but gentle training, working on bringing my abs back together, and I took pictures and. I was in shock at how hunched over I was. Um because I was breastfeeding all the time. Yeah, yeah, and I was just, a silly way, don't you? You do, and I I just kind of going to the gym and working on getting strong again really helped my confidence in just walking and walking I felt taller in my walk once I'd started training again and I'd gotten stronger and my posture improved and I can carry my son up the stairs all the time now whereas in the beginning I was so tired and like mum do you mind just carrying because my room's aloft I was like mum I'm so tired can you just carry him please <laughs> whereas the gym has just given me that confidence of being a mum that I can be physical and, and strong in myself with my son and that was really really big for me and walking tall and confidently it Really helped me.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can imagine that. And that, as you say, that strength is actually something that stands you in good stead for so much stuff to come as well, because when they get older as well, it's so physical.
3: Yeah. All the play and
2: all that. Um, and I mean, you mentioned, you know, sort of being a, a mum. Are you, are you the sort of mum that you thought you'd be? Did you have an idea of what kind of mum you'd be?
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think I, I wanted to be, I, my mum made sure when I was little that any sport, I did trampolining, I loved, I was just one of the kids that just wanted to go out and play and do it and um, I wanted to be a mum that would feel confident letting my child explore and discover and I feel like, I was nervous that I would be too protective but. I think I've got a good balance because I've unconsciously just watched my mum and picked up so much Mm. that I feel really comfortable and confident in how things are going.
2: Yeah, I think having your mum with you like that is actually something that's pretty magical. I think a lot of people would think that that would have been a really lovely thing. And especially with the lockdown stuff, some people had to wait a really long time to have their parents with them. So I think that's that's actually really you've you've managed to take something
3: really special out of what's the circumstance i think it's really lovely um, i do say to people if 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 you're lucky enough to have such a positive role model in your with your mum or yeah. dad to have them there with you when you have a new baby is everything yeah yeah yeah, yeah i would agree with that Um,
2: There was one other thing I wanted to ask you, and I think, did I hear a baby in the background? I'm not sure. Yeah, Yeah, okay. I'll make it really quick. (laughs) I know know you need to go. Um, Do you miss travel? Because as a chef, I would imagine that being able to travel and try things around the place is such a big part of inspiration and also discovery and excitement.
3: Yeah, massively. I actually had Ghana and Nigeria booked um, in December, and then I found out I was (laughs) pregnant. And um, I had to redirect my flights and then not being able to travel. I was so excited to get into Africa mm. and explore some more food and taste new food. Mm. And it it really, that was massive for me. And, and it actually really made, made me upset in not being able to go with everything that's going on. But equally, I found a new love of just watching um, travel food vlogs floggers. God, that feels like a bloody tongue twister. <laughs> um And I would just watch people in all over the world trying food and sharing their experiences. And, and that has been like my saving grace in... Because I love food mm. and I, I love the exploration of it. I love the food stories. I love understanding different cultures and how they cook and what they cook and how they eat and the history behind it. So... I, I, one of my plans is to rediscover my roots in Africa, in Sierra Leone, through food and <laughs> hopefully, fingers crossed, I will be able to do that soon because um, it is so important and special.
2: That sounds like an amazing adventure as well. Yeah, That'll be a lovely, lovely trip to go on, and also you're going to, you know, learn food reflected back from what your what your son gets excited by as well. Yeah. So that sort of feeling of you know how it all evolves and the journey of it and the family and e- every book that you do will feel like another diary entry and in, in the stages yeah. of your life and you'll look back at that first one and be like, ah, oh, that was that bit just before everything kind of went into a new yeah. chapter. It's really exciting. I wish you all the best with your new book. I'll definitely thank be you, be Sophie. checking it out and trying some of the stuff out. Yay. I'll let you know. I'll give you some um, feedback from the Jones boys. Yeah. Um, and in the meantime, will you thank your... Is your mum with the bubba now? Yeah. Thank her for me. I will. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, it's it, Normally, in an ideal world, I record these in person and I've yet to actually interview anybody who's got a small baby that I can just have a little uh, squidge with so this could have point- been it <laughs> this could have
1: been
2: it <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to make do with just the idea of it it's fine yeah and I'll go back to my um well they're alright they're still a bit cuddly <laughs> but not quite so <laughs> yeah my two year old has got to that really bossy stage so
3: really oh yeah I mean, so I these like are it, all actually, the stages but- I need to learn this is where you have to teach me what's coming Yeah, but it's nice. I mean,
2: I actually really love the age of sort of between like two and three because they're sort of, they're kind of like small crazy people because they've got no common sense. (laughs) There's no rule book. He's quite articulate now. So he can just tell me what he wants to do and it's just whatever idea, you know, takes his fancy and that's what we're doing.
3: I quite like all
2: that. It's like having, yeah, like a little crazy person with you I quite I quite enjoy okay. it <laughs> I'll look forward to that then thank
3: you yeah. so much for talking. Oh,
2: thank you, you. it's so nice talking to you and um yeah I wish you all the best everything thank
0: you so and, much and um
2: yeah go and give that baby a little 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 squeegee for will. me <laughs> I will cool. all right take care Rachel <laughs> thank all <you>. the best <laughs> I told you she was really lovely. And now I'm about to go into my house, but I'm a bit transfixed because basically for two, maybe two or three weeks even, we've had a spider that we've now called Gary uh, living out just outside. So outside my front door, I've got like a little porch bit. And Gary's built the most spectacular web just outside my front door. And I can see why he doesn't want to move. It's a work of art. And actually, now that it's been raining, the whole web is covered in raindrops and it looks beautiful I'll try and take a picture of it actually and I can see Gary he's not on his web, he's sort of stuck to the side, he's huge he's a really big, he's quite a traditional garden spider in his colouring but he's a super sized one and when people come to drop things off at the front door I have to kind of warn them not to go walk two steps back because they'll find themselves right with their head in the web which I don't think is what Gary's intending to catch in there but yeah it's really good, Gary you've done a great web mate, I love it Really beautiful. Aren't oh, spiders amazing? Imagine having an instinct just to do that. I do like spider webs, I do. Which is lucky, because our garden's full of them. Um, but anyway, thank you for, as ever, lending me your ears. Please do keep your comments, podcast guest suggestions, and general, all-round, keep-up-the-good-work type comments coming, because they're really good for my morale. Because I adore doing the podcast, but... It's uh, it's such a passion project, and it's really nice when, yeah, I know it's reaching you. It's a good feeling. It's a nice little community we have here, isn't it? Oh, anyway, I should probably go in, and I can see that I've got to take the milk in. We've got milkman around here, and I can see that the milk is directly underneath Gary's web. So there's a little bit of trepidation when it comes to bending down and picking up all those bottles. But I'm going to go for it. Uh, tune in next week to see how I got on with the web. <laughs> Don't love. Be very boring. Tune in because I have a lovely guest. See you soon have a great week. Love you lots. Bye.